Welcome to Golden Topics, which are personal discussions with a variety of professionals on critically important elder issues. Hi, my name is Mirit Hoffman. I'm a mother of three, a gerontologist, and an attorney specializing in elder law. My focus is helping senior citizens to stay in control when they reach significant junctions in their lives. I am a member of STEP, which is a global society of trust and estate practitioners. I lecture on estate planning and I write on various sites about the relationship between children and their elderly parents and the daily needs of the intergenerational family. These podcasts are personal discussions with a variety of professionals and are intended for anyone who is interested in being enriched with knowledgeable information regarding significant crossroads for seniors. Let's get started. I hope you enjoy it. Research basically shows that there is an increase in life expectancy and that in present time it bypasses the age of 80. But with old age generally comes a decline in health and specifically mental illnesses are more common as we grow older like Parkinson's, dementia, and they greatly harm our, not only our physical but also our cognitive abilities and they develop slowly over time. So although we might live longer doesn't necessarily mean that our quality of life stays the same. And tonight we're going to discuss halachic and ethical questions that arise regarding medical decisions towards the end of life and also dementia. And here with me is Rabbi Yuval Sherlo, who leads Sohal's Center for Jewish Ethics and is one of the organization's founders. Thank you very, very much for joining us tonight. And uh, the floor is yours, as we say. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. Uh, I'll try to do my best, uh, even though English is not my typical uh, language, it would have been better in Hebrew, but uh, I'll do my best. Uh, my goal is to try to introduce our project in Tzohar, uh the idea of uh, preparing ourselves to the age of 120, but I'm not going to do any, I don't want to advertise Tzohar, and Tzohar is not the issue. The issue is why did we cut, why did we make the, the, the decision and what were the reasons for the conclusion that we should open this special project and what are the halafic debates and questions and in the end a few typical questions that we we deal with during uh, this project uh, and we see it is, as a very important one to first of all change the image of halacha towards the end of life. What do we mean by changing the uh, uh, the, the, the idea of halacha? I mean, uh, I'm not going to, to um, uh, excuse me, train. first of all, I'll put it up. Okay. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to, um, to explain all the halacha ideas, but the main issue with the main uh, idea is to explain what is the meaning of changing the image. And a few words about Tzohar, the Tzohar Rabbinical Organization was founded by a group of religious Zionist rabbis. You can read it and you can get the, all the information about it. And this is our tra- our project and it's uh, we have a hotline. We speak about it in the end. So what is the meaning of changing the image or the perspective of Halafa? I'll the best uh, way to explain it is to show what we did in the past. As you know, 
a few years ago, the image or the idea of if you would have asked any regular people, does halacha support organ donations or not? I think that the most of the people would have said no, because it's prohibited. And I think this is the best uh, example. Approximately 12 years ago, there was a very known football, uh, soccer player, we say football, and uh, that was killed in the uh, a car accident. His family agreed to donate all his organs, but was convinced by someone or two guys that pre uh, pretend themselves to be rabbis to say it's prohibited uh, according to halacha, and therefore people died because these organ organs weren't uh, donated. And I, the decision of the Israeli chief rabbinate from 1987 is that in principle, I'm not talking about the details, but in principle, uh, organ donation is, is a great idea and it's, uh, you're permitted to do that, but actually didn't change the image. So therefore, only in 2016, as you can say, you can see, or 2018, actually February 2018, a group of rabbis, modern Orthodox rabbis, endorsed organ donation as a mitzvah and actually recruited the chief rabbi, one of the chief rabbis that said this is the right thing to do. And therefore today we can say that more than two-thirds of the Israeli population are agreeing in real time. I'm not talking about signing that card, but when it comes to the decision to donate the organs or not, so more than two-thirds uh, of the families are doing that, I can't say it's, you know, we, we're responsible and we should get uh, all the, the big prize uh, because of that. Uh, there were a lot of uh, bodies and a lot of groups that tried to change this image, but thank God we succeeded. And the same thing is the need to a comprehensive re response to end-of-life issues. Why? First of all, the situation. And as you, life are longer. And because life are longer, we see more and more people that there is a gap between their knowledge, soul, or whatever, and the body. In some cases, uh, the body is completely healthy, but the uh, that the mental uh, situation is more and more as declining and, and dimension and whatever. In other cases, it's the opposite is there, there someone is his body and he suffers and he doesn't want to be ventilated and he wants to die, but his brain is completely okay. And th these are new situations because the medical investments has really uh, improved and, and went very far. Now, more than that, there are um, uh, ability to keep people alive for a long time. I think that Israeli population was uh, exposed to that uh, when Prime Minister, Prime Minister Sharon uh, was kept alive for months without any, any real reason. And I think that everybody could see through this situation that we must ask ourselves, what is the right thing uh, to do? So this is the first thing. The second thing is that um, the idea of the patient autonomy is uh, decision-making, is part of it. And if you would have come to a hospital 
20, 30 years ago, and it's not a, it wasn't an issue. And if the doctors uh, came to a conclusion that this is the right thing to do, uh, they did it, even if the patient was against it, or even if the family was against it, or whatever. But today, the idea that the patient has an autonomy, and you have to get its informed consent, not only his consent, but also informed consent is part of the need to discuss and to uh, change the rules. And as I said, the image of halacha uh, regarding the idea of the patient autonomy. Now, uh, the third uh, reason that there is a need is because individuals and families, families face a disparate need to answer when it comes to end of life because of the patient autonomy and not only because of ethics reasons, it's also because of uh, the threat of the hospital to be sued uh, doing an uh, inappropriate thing or uh, and, and do wrong things towards the patient. In many cases, the doctors and the nurses and, you know, all the staff actually is throwing the ball towards the family. Now, there are good things in this idea, but uh, families really face a desperate need to answer questions that they're not prepared to answer because they don't have the, um, you know, they don't have the knowledge and they don't understand everything from the medical point of view, from the ethical point of view, from a logic point of view. And also it's very sensitive because they're very close and many times they do wrong things because they think that they should do that. So therefore there is a need to, um, to, to have someone that can, can, you know, help and, and advise and make all the information more accessible. And there are some, some who believe that palliative care is halakhically prohibited, as I said before. So in many cases, and as you know, the society in Israel is religious and uh, not, no, no, I want to say that it's not only the percentage of a released religious people. I said that the most of the conservative, conservative, I mean, regarding not the, not the movement and uh, the idea of being connected to the tradition, when it comes to death, more and more people want to do it, things according to Allah, I'll say it in a, in a little bit cynical way, uh, when they're preparing themselves to meet with God, they want to come, you know, that they did the right thing. So therefore, more and more people are asking, what is the halakha, um perspective and what are the halakha rules towards those, those issues? And uh, you can see the other the things that uh, we need really um, a, 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 some, a, we need to, to change things in order to uh, face the new uh, situation. Now, I'm not con going to talk a very long uh, speech now about halacha. I would be very happy to do that. But this is not uh, right. This is not the, the, the idea of this uh, short meeting. But I can say that uh, the halacha recognize the respect and the understanding that in certain cases enough is enough and can even permit extending life through artificial me 
means of, of intervention. And that's very, very important to know. So everybody knows that the halakha, from one hand, uh, sees life as a holy thing that we are not permitted to suicide, we're not to permitted to give up, give up uh, early. But there are cases, and uh, we it's very, very careful. Uh, and then uh, we have to un understand the analysis and must be de deliberated upon one a case by case basis. But there is there are situations where the halacha permitted, and as I said, not only permitted but also sometimes even uh, it's it's it's. Uh, uh, the right thing to do, and you have you. It's forbidden to extend light with, when someone is suffers suffers, and therefore this is the main idea of our project: teach it to consultate with with doctors, with Allah people, uh, Allah um, authorities, and and sit with the families together and find the right thing uh, to do. What actually? Um, the, the, the challenges. First of all, close mindedness. People don't like. These are the problems that people uh, don't um, don't deal with those issues. And and one of the reason is because uh, you know it's it's you're locked in the idea and the way you look at things. People don't like to uh, speak about the. They uh, believe that no matter we we must yeah do everything in order to uh, expand the life of our relatives and people naturally avoid difficult decisions and these are the ups these are the um, the main obstacles that we have when we uh, want to deal with families about those situations. Now these are our principles and as I said I'm not talking about solo. I want to say that this is the halachic principles that uh, I think should everybody should know. First of all, that the palliative care recognizes on halacha an ethical a practice, and those must be addressed. That's very important to know that halacha does recognize in uh, palliative care, and there's a lack of understanding of ethical practice and halacha in how people approach end of life issues. So therefore, we must help people in order to accomplish their knowledge and, and be able to make those decisions. Uh, it's very important that the rabbis will not be considered as uh, in, in the conflict with the staff of the hospital. The opposite is the truth. You know, there are groups that when they want to make health decisions, they tell the doctors or the, tell the staff, tell the hospital, what you say is not important. We'll go to our rabbis and the rabbi is saying if to operate or to ventilate or not. This is not the, the real approach the, the, or the, the approach that we believe in. We believe that you have to work with close coordination. coordination. You have to have trust in the staff of the hospital, they are the professionals, they are the doctors, and we come from the ethical and from the halachic point of view, but working together is the most uh, important thing, and also families must work together 
to address. Yeah, and, and that is must take in account what will happen the day after because if there is a conflict inside the family, it will continue and people in the families can be broken completely uh, because of doing wrong decisions. And uh, actually, rabbis and our goal is to provide the best and most, uh, the, the, the best service that we can offer completely free that's, uh, you know, obvious. What is actually the things that we, as again, I'm not talking about so I'm using Zohar in order to explain what is important. First of all, the hotline, information, um, and uh, teaching not only, or not uh, advising not only the families, but also medical staff, home nurses, rabbis, community members, and uh, try more and more to uh, convince and to pursue people to make advanced medical instructions. I think that it's very important. And again, there is a image that religion is against advanced medical instruction because don't open your mouth or don't speak things that the devil can hear them and use them. I, I, it's, it's, you know, it's unbelievable how many people are suffering and how many families are in a big disparate and, and conflict because they don't know what actually the patient wants if he cannot express himself. So therefore, we do advise and pursue and convince people to give uh, medical uh, instruction. And these are common questions that rabbis are being asked. First of all, should CPR be continued at any cost? The answer, as you can understand, is no. There's nothing in halacha, nothing in ethics that can be, uh, that doesn't have limits, that doesn't have borders. And it's not only the question of cost, meaning money, it's cost of pain of, of uh, suffering, and the, the answer is you should find the line that until this line, you must do everything in order to try to save life. And across this line is the fact that you enough is enough, and the right thing to do is to let people to die with the family around it without suffering and you don't have and not in all the cases you have to do CPR. These are the issues that we are the trying to explain until when yes and from when no. May feeding someone who is about to die be discontinued? The answer is definitely yes. Because in many cases it's not only suffering. It's in many cases it's a question of pollution. And in many cases, there's really no need to do that. So therefore, it's not our decision as the rabbis. This is the decision of doctors. As I said before, we are not getting involved in medical decisions. But if we are being asked on and consulting about the issue, about it, the, the doctor say, say, said that there's no really need to uh, feed, and actually it's causing a lot of damage and maybe pollution and maybe 
maybe uh, uh, a lot of suffering. That's the halas saying. And in what cases that uh, can you stop doing that? The answer will be yes. As I said, depends where you draw the line. Are you allowed to lie to someone who has uh, dementia? Uh, dementia and regarding his medical situation. Again, we wrote about it a lot of papers, and the answer is the answer is yes, because uh, we know that from the general approach to saying the truth or to lie in halacha, as you know, the halacha admires the truth. The halacha says that you have to be very far from lying, but in the same time, the halacha says for in for instance, when you um, come to a wedding and let's say that um, the kala, she's not the prettiest one in the world, uh, you do say and you do uh, phrase her because there are things that are meaning the idea between saying the truth and uh, not saying the truth. And if saying the truth doesn't have actually any meaning to this patient, because this, you know, in dimension uh, a situation, so therefore, if this is the way to relax them, uh, you are permitted to do that. Should treatment, when there is no hope for a positive outcome, be continued? I answered it before. Again, I want to be very careful. I didn't say, shalom, that everything is permitted. And I didn't say that in any case that someone wants to die, the answer would be let's help him to do that in an active way. Again, shalom. what I'm saying that there is a place to draw the line and the halakha draws the line in a very interesting way that says until now, yes, but if there's no horizon to... Uh, uh, to uh, and continue the treatment, and there is a lot of suffering, and actually uh, we have to do active things in order to treat the patient, not to stop uh, treating that. This is the situation where the halacha, in many cases, will say enough is enough. Is it permissible? Uh, do you spend uh, even if some carry risks are showing me? The last, uh, the last, I would say the, in a simple way, again, the answer is yes. And actually many rabbis and even very ultra-Orthodox rabbis wrote about it and said that, that you are permitted to uh, use medicine uh, against pain even if there's a risk. If it's, you know, for sure, we'll shorten the life, the answer is no, because this is an active uh, and, and you're doing something active in order to shorten life, and this is not permitted. But if it is a risk, the answer is yes. And in every hospital, even in the when it's being um, conducted by by ultra orthodox rabbis, they will use those uh, medicine. What should be done in the case of patient who wants, uh, 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 you know, to to stop uh, treatment? First of all, the, the, the answer will be to, to speak with him, to listen to him, to discuss with him, to try to convince him, to, to empower him. And uh, not immediately to, you know, to lift your hands, 
But from the other hand, uh, as we studied in a shorter presentation, the answer will be there is a way to, to uh, come to a common decision uh, with the patient. And uh, the last example, uh, are you allowed to govern or some death to cases is suffering? Uh, in the Gemara, there are there are stories that uh, people davened and prayed that someone will die. Today, the approach is a little bit different. We don't pray that someone will die, but we pray that Hashem, that God, will do the best for him. And uh, because it's very sensitive and very difficult to pray for uh, for someone's death, but in the same time, pray for his, you know, being healthy is something that is the wrong thing to do not only because it's, it's suffering because the situation you know you don't pray for you don't take miracles uh, as a consideration you uh talk, you pray according to the uh, reality and it's not the right thing to do uh there's a, a in hebrew we say tefillat shav you don't pray tefillat shav and the end uh, as you see, this is the, actually what the prophet said. And thank God, really, people, we have more and more elderly people in Jerusalem and in the entire Israel. And more and more children are playing uh, alongside. We, it's really kind of a redemption. And it's a big blessing. But at the same time, as I said before, um, uh, the, the idea or the we have to be very careful not to do the wrong things uh, and not to expand the lifetime of suffering. Now, I want again to emphasize, it's very, very important to know that in from one hand, uh, we do our uh, approach towards life is that life are holy and we are trying to do everything that we can in order to keep them and to as long as we are in this world, do uh, everything. The, the right thing to do is to continue and to try to, to keep our lives uh, and, and to see them as a treasure, uh, something that is very, very important. But changing the image is so important to explain and to, 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 to learn and to uh, uh, you know, to to uh, to understand that there are there is a point, there is a line. You draw somewhere the line, and the Allah draws the line where enough is enough, and we have also to know how to, you know, leave this world silent with our families, not suffering, and not doing things in order to um, to feel that uh, we did the, the, everything that we can. I'll explain this last point and then I'll, I'll try to, uh, to, to say good things. Families must be, very, must be very careful because in many cases, they feel that they want to do towards the patient everything that is possible in order to expand their life, but actually it is life, but actually they are thinking about themselves. They want to know that their conscience is pure and they did their, everything that they could. When you think about it, 
in many cases, it's not something that is good for the patient. It's good for the family. And we have always have to think about the human and, and the mercy and the understanding. How can we help the patient? And when we understand that, then we are doing in many cases the right thing and uh, trying to, from one hand, as I said, to keep him alive and from the other hand, to understand that there is a point where you cross the line, you stop the palliative care and they're doing the right thing in order to be dying silent and, um, and without um, less quality, not only uh, with minutes, but actually the quality of life is uh, very important. Thank you very much. I have a question for you, Rafshado. There are these documents from the Ministry of Health regarding end-of-life decisions that people fill out and file, and then it's in the database of the Ministry of Health, and in the event that the person, God forbid, is considered end-of-life. And I just want for everybody involved to understand, according to the law, end-of-life means that you only have six months to live, regardless of what, what kind of medical care you receive. Um, in the event that somebody reaches end of life and he doesn't have cognitive control anymore, then the doctors are supposed to look at those medical instructions that the person had left in the database. What do you, um, A, do you give advice on does they give, do they give advice on how to fill out those documents? And B, do you have any, any thoughts about these documents in general? Definitely, yes. First of all, we support them. And uh, we support them, uh, as I said before, because uh, the patient autonomy and his decisions is also a great factor. I didn't say it's the only one. And there is the, we do believe in, in other factors like the halakha, like the holiness of life. And as I said uh, uh, before, but uh, these wishes are very, very important and we do support first of all signing them the second thing we give a lot of advice because people are asking are we permitted to say that if we need to be ventilated uh we don't want in in, in a situation so this is the most common uh, question or feeding as we spoke before and we give a very very close and uh, advice how to fill those uh, those uh, documents. I want to say one thing about them, that in the same time that giving medical advice, as you know, uh, and instruction, not the, not the advice, as you know, that the other way to do things is to appoint someone and make him a... Our uh, attorney. Yeah, a attorney, and, and he'll, make, he'll make the decisions. And we do support to do both because you know, many things that you think and the age, let's for, for instance, why well, I'm, I'm in my sixties. Okay. And many of my friends are thinking that when, uh, they'll need diapers, they want to die. They don't want any, but when you reach this point in many cases, actually you want to stay with your grandchildren or grand grandchildren. And even if it's not convenient that even if you're suffering, so. Therefore, in many cases, sometimes you give instructions that 
even though you check them every five years, you know, you know the law better. They don't. Yeah. Better me, but you have to. It's not every and not everything that you thought twenty years ago or even five years ago are actually the right. You're right. Um, uh, the, the real thinking of those this situation, and therefore it's very good to appoint a very close person, your son, your wife, your, I mean someone that knows you, in order to uh, be that apotropos uh, and and do and make the and be have the legal uh, position to make decisions. Okay, so. Okay, so for I'm already waiting for you with my coffee in the next podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of Golden Topics. I hope you enjoyed it and that it provided you with important information. Do not forget to click and subscribe to Golden Topics so that you can stay updated on my upcoming podcasts. And of course, please share and invite family and friends to listen so that they can also benefit from the information discussed here. You are also welcome to visit my website, www.lawmirit.com, and to follow me on Facebook for more information regarding intergenerational estate planning and the various needs of the elderly population. I'm already waiting for you with my coffee in the next episode. Oh.